Hey everyone, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Brian, and currently the Global Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Alexion, AstraZeneca Rare Disease, and I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. My goal is to have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listener, with a podcast that can help facilitate professional growth and provide tools that can help you become a successful industry professional. We tackle a variety of subjects here on the IPHO podcast, ranging from preparation for mid-year to how to leverage appy experiences and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And we're back with another episode of the IPHO podcast. I am your host, Brian Arana Madris. I am a first-year Global Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Alexion AstraZeneca Rare Disease. And today I have a special guest with me, Josiah Moore. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Brian. It's truly been a long time coming, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Now, before diving into the questions for today, I want to provide some insight into our featured guest. Josiah Moore brings a diverse background to the IPHO National Student Leadership Team, specifically in research and industry experience. He graduated from Tougaloo College located in Jackson, Mississippi, with a degree in chemistry and is currently a third-year student at Mercer University College of Pharmacy. After beginning pharmacy school, he was selected as an HUR intern for the UCB Immunology Business Unit before transitioning into his current role at UCB in the Neurology Business Unit. While at UCB, Josiah has uh, valued the opportunity to gain a wealth of knowledge from colleagues on various projects in medical affairs, as well as HEOR. Today, we're going to talk to Josiah about the unique experiences he has been able to attain while attending pharmacy school. I'm extremely excited for today's episode as I've had the front row seat to Josiah's professional development. Now, I want to make sure we give the viewers some context on how you began your pharmacy journey. Why did you even decide to pursue a career in pharmacy? Well, great question. Uh, First off, Brian, again, thank you for having me. Um, The reason why I pursued a career in pharmacy uh, it's, it's uh, it's a couple of different reasons. I was led to pharmacy by three mentors that were in the profession. Uh, number one, uh, a good uh, mentor of mine and, and friend, his wife was a pharmacist at the VA, uh, Dr. Lauren DePage. Uh, she kind of took me under her wing on the outpatient side, and she allowed me to kind of shadow her and gain some insight into the profession. Uh, number two, another mentor that I had that took me under his wing was Dr. Bernard Hill. Uh, he was a Walmart uh, manager. He was a manager of a local Walmart in the community in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, he allowed me to kind of uh, see what the retail side of pharmacy looked like prior to coming to pharmacy school. And I saw the ability to be able to mend that business and natural science skill set. Uh, so I jumped at that as well. And uh, lastly, uh, after knowing that I wanted to go to pharmacy school, what led me to Mercer was a mentor of mine. Uh, we attended the same undergrad. Uh, he finished pharmacy school at Mercer, and that's Dr. Joshua Leggett. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned mentors led you to your decision, Um, as I've mentioned in other episodes, and we'll dive into that a little later on. Mentors are extremely important in all aspects, whether it's your undergrad development as well as your professional development. I know I didn't know the various options available for pharmacists, especially in the non-traditional space, such as pharma. How did you first find out about the pharmaceutical industry? Great question. So when I first came to pharmacy school, a couple things. I knew retail. Uh, and I knew hospital. Uh, when I again, I immediately started to realize there are some organizations that were kind of hidden in the profession. 
so when I started out, I actually figured that I would specialize in uh, cardiology, uh, given that I had done cardiovascular research and undergrad, and particularly because uh, cardiovascular um, illnesses affect African American the African American population at a higher rate uh, than other uh, counterparts. Um, but from that understanding, I swiftly realized that there are numerous uh, opportunities hidden within the profession, uh, such as managed care opportunities and industry opportunities as well. And at that time, uh, the current president of IPHO, he was extremely influential in exposing students to opportunities within industry. So me and him uh, became good friends and he kind of took me on his wing. Uh, and then ultimately what helped me learn about the opportunities were attending biweekly meetings offered by AMCP and an IPHO, which quite honestly opened an entire portal of opportunities. Uh, that semester of my spring P1 year, I decided that I wanted to pursue industry and I began looking for internships uh, in December uh, of that academic year. And uh, I was encouraged by this guy, uh, ironically, uh, Brian Arana Madrid to run for president-elect of IPHO. Uh, that's, that's ultimately how I got started. Yes, 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 for sure. I wonder who that guy is. Um, I'm happy that I was able to help along that journey. I want to touch on some points before we jump into the next question. You mentioned retail and hospital. I know that's all I knew coming into pharmacy school. So again, really finding your way, attending these meetings, as well as finding those mentors in your corner to kind of um, align yourself with the interest that you wanted to pursue in the long run. And I think that all starts with a, a level of curiosity, which you mentioned within the cardiology space, but then it branches off as you continue to meet people within your development. You briefly mentioned AMCP and IPHOs. What sorts of activities or organizations are you involved in? Okay, so we can start with IPHO. So uh, currently uh, I served as the uh, president of IPHO. Uh, my student chapter in Mercer. I've also served in national leadership as a national student officer of professional development and affairs. I served on the national student advisory committee member providing feedback from the annual meeting uh, to senior leadership. I had the privilege of speaking at uh, two of the previous um, IPHO annual meetings. So that was very eye-opening and a wonderful experience. And that's been my overall um, influence within IPHO as a student. Transition into AMCP, I served as fundraising chair twice on that e-board. I also served as treasurer um, within AMCP as well. Uh, transitioning to another organization, which um, is kind of H-E-O-R focus, is ISPOR. I was a previous e-board member at the local ISPOR chapter at Mercer. I had the pleasure of presenting my research conducted uh, through my immunology team at UCB at ISPOR. And I've also served other, or, other organizations such as Follow to Sigma, and uh, Kappa Psi, I serve Follow to Sigma as a treasurer and Kappa Psi as vice region and Atlantic province treasurer. So those are just a, a snippet of the organizations that I've been involved in. Yeah, and it sounds like um, incredible opportunities within these organizations. We're going to dive into that a little bit later on in the episode and what the importance of having these leadership roles um, is in the development um, of yourself as a professional. Before we continue, I just want to give the viewers a little insight. HUR is Health Economics Outcomes Research. If some of you do not want to learn a little bit more about that and don't know exactly what that is, we'll dive into that. But more specifically, I want you guys to tune into the Kyle Noonan episode where he touches on um, health economics outcomes research, as well as the market access space. So now that we have some context for the listeners, I want to transition into the basis of this conversation. You know, when I take a look at your C 
TV, I see some outstanding experiences that you have you typically don't really see for pharmacy students. Can you describe to the listeners some of these experiences? Sure, Brian. I'll be glad to. Um, so for me, uh, I kind of have a little bit of a unique situation. It started for me in undergrad. I had the privilege of participating in a program called the Jackson Heart Study. And uh, for those of you who are unaware of the Jackson Heart Study, you've probably heard of the Firmingham Heart Study, which, are, which is a larger study that has about 30,000 participants. But uh, I'll keep it brief. So the Jackson Heart Study is the largest longitudinal study that focuses on risk factors for cardiovascular disease amongst African-Americans have a between about 5,000 and 6,000 participants last time I checked. So all the participants are African-American. Uh, and as a part of uh, being a part of this program, I was served as a Jackson Heart Study Scholar. I had to complete research experiences at different institutions every summer. So some of the institutions that I got a chance to visit and conduct research were the University of Alabama at Tuscaloosa. I did a research experience for undergraduates there, uh, Brown University. I connected with a, a research um, lab at Brown and had the um, privilege of living there for uh, three months. And then UMMC, uh, the unique thing about UMMC was it was a clinical experience. So uh, it was not until my senior year of college that I was introduced to my mentor, Dr. Irvin Fox, who was a cardiologist at UMC. And uh, during this experience, I was exposed to clinical research. And I developed a project. I won't go into the details. It was uh, concerning vascular stiffness. But within that project, I had the opportunity to publish an American Heart Association. I presented a moderated poster at the American College of Cardiology. I got a chance to present to the steering committee of the Jackson Heart Study. And at that time, I had no clue kind of the significance of these opportunities. I didn't know who wrote the guidelines and all of that good jargon. But looking back on it, um, transitioning into P4 a year, I now see that uh, these are major players in what we do as pharmacists and also what impacts the lives of patients. So those opportunities are what exposed me to research in general. Fast forward to pharmacy school, I was able to leverage these experiences into a role such as, such as an HEOR internship in the immunology business unit. And ultimately, I was able to gain a contract role within medical affairs and HEOR uh, at UCB and the neurology business, you know, where I currently am today. You know, there's something that I really want to highlight is the importance of not knowing the significance of what you're doing, right? But putting your best foot forward in everything that you do in the long term, the long run, really shows um, the significance for that. Not only do you gain that experience, but then you look back and say, hey, you know, what I did three, four years ago is really helping me out and pushing me to move forward. So for those of you that are doing certain things and don't really understand the magnitude of what you're doing, know that in five, six years, it may come back and really be a prosperous thing that you did and you had no idea about. Um, you know, I can't, sure. I can't sit here and lie and say, you know, that's not some impressive stuff right there. Can you speak a little bit more about the responsibilities you held during your internship and how these responsibilities have evolved as you've gained more confidence and exposure within UCB? Great question, Brian. So I started out at UCB, I would say, uh, as a baby in a lot of ways. And um, I had a lot of great mentors to kind of take me under their wing within the company. Uh, but I was selected after my P1 year as an HEOR uh, intern uh, by the immunology team led by Dr. Silky Beatty. And uh, I'll be the first to tell you this opportunity, being quite honest, it was painful. Uh, it stretched me in ways that I didn't know were possible. Uh, but some of the benefits were, uh, number one, being, ex being exposed to real world evidence generation within pharma and experiencing what it's like to be a true representative of a pharmaceutical enterprise. 
over the course of the internship, I had the opportunity to present 30 minute presentations to our medical outcomes team every three weeks on topics that were re relevant to our products as well as our pipeline. In addition, I completed a competitive intelligence project by analyzing real world evidence studies, key competitors in the market were generating and examining what digital tools they're using to generate outcomes. And lastly, I had the opportunity to collaborate with the vendor uh, analysis group and I co-authored two manuscripts, which really allowed me to develop my scientific writing skills and kind of go more in depth on the exposure that I had in undergrad through the Jackson Heart Study. And uh, that internship, I will say, paid dividends over the course of my involvement at UCB. Uh, so I took about a month off. My internship was 12 weeks. After that concluded, I thought to myself, it would be awesome if I could, you know, acquire like a contract role or stay on year round. At that time, no position in my business unit uh, was available. Uh, however, I had a professor that you and I both know pretty well, Dr. Maneri. He reached out to me and he contacted me about a role that somebody that had graduated from his lab uh, had. She was a PharmD PhD. And so he gave me that contact information and I emailed uh, her. Uh, her name's Rebecca Burns. She's currently the head of medical affairs at UCB. And I completed about two rounds of interviews and I was granted the opportunity to have a year long contract on her medical affairs team, which opened up several, several more opportunities. I got the chance to work alongside associate directors to support our field medical team of MSLs. I gained proficient skills in source clear, uh, generated my site forms to gather insights from KOLs, as well as generating quarterly reports uh, for our medical leads. Uh, so outside of that, uh, I was able to get my contract uh, renewed a couple more times after I completed that year long tenure. And uh, I've worked on some medical communications projects uh, that have been extremely eye opening in order to streamline communication within internal neurology partners. Uh, so after completing that, um, I guess I kind of just took off on a rocket and I've been with the company ever since. Yeah. And there's some things that I definitely want to touch on within your response, because these are incredible opportunities that you've been able to leverage throughout your development. One thing that you said at the top of this answer was painful. You know, that transition was painful. You know, something that I mm -hmm. live by is being uncomfortable is the engine that drives growth. So the fact that you put yourself in a position to be uncomfortable has allowed you to develop yourself as an individual, not only within yourself, but also within your professional development. The second thing that I definitely want to touch on is network. Network network, network. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that we talked about previously, you know, while I was in pharmacy school and you were a first year is, you know, sometimes it's really about the people that you know, and the opportunities that will be presented you to you along the way. So for those that are listening, you know, never take for granted the person that is trying to help you, or that you just casually know through through conversation, there's always opportunities to, to leverage and take advantage of. So, you know, I'm happy that you've been able to really attain these opportunities and, and drive them for the better of yourself. For sure, for sure. Um, and there, there's definitely some uh, adjustment period, right? You know, being a student and then also now you're just in a full-blown contract position position within pharma. What would you say was the biggest adjustment, being a leader in organizations on campus, to becoming an active contributor to a team in pharma? Did you ever believe the moment was too big? Wow. Uh, that question requires a lot of thought, but I'll say this. Uh, initially, the biggest adjustment for me as soon as I entered pharma uh, was a couple things that I realized quickly. Uh, number one, uh, no one's going to hold my hand through the learning process, right? That's number one. 
Uh, the reality of the matter is that although there are people there to guide you, it's imperative to understand that those same people have a job to do that requires their attention. So accepting the fact that you will make mistakes is rule number one. And my goal was um, not to avoid the mistakes because those are valuable learning processes, but never make the same mistake twice and always improve. Number two, no one likes their time wasted. And me keeping that in mind, before I enter any meeting, I always enter the meeting with what I want my outcome to be, to move my projects forward. So always go into the meeting outcome oriented. Uh, number three, I'll say once you find your groove, uh, loosen up. That's been something that I've had to learn within the last six months, I would say. Uh, loosen up, but don't get comfortable, right? Always remain professional. But remember, pharma is about relationships, as you said, Brian. And once trust is established, let your guard down when the time is right. And as a student, uh, being in these spaces, sometimes you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel as though you don't belong. Uh, however, the more people you get to know that can speak to your work ethic, you will find that you'll build trust with these people and they'll want to keep you around and have your input on future projects. You know, those are all great points, um, but there's three things that I really want to touch on. The first thing is it's your responsibility to be curious. And I know you kind of mentioned that um, within your response itself. The next thing is it's important to make mistakes, but most importantly, learn from your mistakes. So like you said, don't make those mistakes twice. You never want to be that person within your team that is making the same constant mistakes and you're showing them that you're also growing within the process. And then the last thing is you kind of mentioned like drop your guard a bit, right? Be yourself is kind of what I like to say is remain professional, but also re remain who you are to show your team that you're also another person on that team, right? You're not just a robot. And I think that's that's really important when you connect with your team. Um, I want to circle back on something that we mentioned earlier about organization and leadership positions you held. Did these roles prepare you to tackle the responsibilities you've had at UCB? Absolutely. Thanks for asking that question, Brian. So I've had the privilege of being a leader in several organizations. And one of the things that I would say is being a leader in an organization, in a way, mirrors what it's like to be in pharma, particularly because you become familiar with how to build relationships with people to work towards a common goal. So one of the things I encourage students to do is to pursue it, to, that want to pursue a career in pharma, is to take on at least one significant leadership opportunity, such as the president of a uh, initiative or uh, the president of an organization on campus, um, that you're passionate about for one particular reason. It allows you to develop soft skills, which oftentimes cannot be taught within the classroom, but require emotional intelligence. And with emotional intelligence, I consider there's three components, right? Uh, communication, team building, and conflict resolution. And everything that I've done in pharma with the team and knowing how to communicate effectively to resolve conflict has been extremely beneficial. Yeah, no, I completely agree with those things. And one of the most important things is what I like to we all call transferable skills, right? I think that's um, extremely important, not only within the process, but once you get into that fellowship prep, your transferable skills must come out within your interview. They want to see if you can work within pharma itself and communication team building and conflict resolution happen on a daily basis. So I 1000% agree with you when it comes to that. And we actually do have an episode on transferable skills. Um, that's going to be, I had a conversation with a Kenneth Oranu, which is a marketing fellow at Merck. I highly suggest that episode as well. Um, 
How vital do you believe it is for pharmacy students to be involved in organizations to develop the professionalism that's needed within the pharmaceutical industry now that you briefly mentioned that? Brian, I would say that it's almost mandatory, right? I would say it's almost mandatory that students are involved and engaged in organizations such as IPHO, not only on a local level, but on a national level. When I became the president of the student chapter at Mercer, I quickly realized my title may say president, but in order for us to be successful as a team, it will require collaboration and buy-in, both that are relevant within the industry, right? And so I knew that my success is a reflection of my eboard success. And no matter how smart you are, you need a team of great people to support you in leadership. So I determined ways in which I could place my team in the best position to develop their skill set to receive everything this awesome organization has to offer. Being surrounded by like-minded and phenomenal people motivate me to do the work which is beneficial to lead a student organization. One of the things that I can say I'm proud of as a president is that several of my eboard members have earned the privilege of farm experience, as well as becoming flex interns within IPHO, which are great opportunities to develop your skill set starting out pursuing this career path. Yeah, and I want to highlight something that you said, because I think it's extremely important. That's the team is bigger than me. And I think that goes to say across the board, no matter what functional area, no matter what company, no matter what organization you're working within, the team is always bigger than you. And like you said, the team's success will ultimately reflect your success and it's never vice versa. So that's something that I really want the listeners to pay mind to as they, they uh, begin to develop their professional skills and those soft skills needed to come into the, to the pharmaceutical industry itself. I know that you mentioned earlier, um, earlier on in this episode about the strong mentors in your corner. What is your recommendation to pharmacy students on identifying these mentors? Would you say they have a, they've been an integral part in your success thus far? 100%. 100%, Brian, because what I've experienced uh, personally is that I've had the ability to leverage one experience into the next experience, right? Um, if you just go back to some of the things that I've commented on, I was able to leverage my undergraduate research experience into an HDR internship at UCB. And then I was able to leverage my 12-week HDR experience into a contract role within the neurology business unit. Uh, UCB, right? And then so far, my contract has been renewed three times, and I'm currently in an HER strategy role uh, that I've leveraged from previous HER experience throughout my internship. So each of these opportunities have allowed me to develop uh, mentors and relationships along the way. But to find the right mentor, ultimately, I would encourage my peers to start somewhere, right? I had the privilege of conducting research in undergrad. However, many pharmacy schools offer summer research opportunities to assist students in developing foundational skills and building relationships with faculty members on campus. Even if research is not your long-term career plan or career trajectory, it provides transferable skills that can be leveraged into different roles throughout the industry. Always remain coachable. That's something else that I encourage students. Like, There are things that students can do to make themselves stand out that require zero talent, right? And so, for example, um, I was uh, in my internship at UCB. Uh, I reached out to someone who was over the HGOR team on the neurology side. And I asked for a one-on-one just to kind of share some of those experiences. 
And she, uh, following that one-on-one, she said, you know what, Josiah, you can come to my, my team meetings on a weekly basis. You don't have to do anything. If you're able to join, join. If you're not, it's fine if you can't make it. But just by me coming to those meetings, uh, she said, literally, uh, you've been very um, attentive in the meetings. You've been uh, providing feedback within the meetings. She gave me a project, literally, where I assist in planning and facilitation of the project. I ensure that the project remains on budget and the vendor is paid accordingly. And I ensure that deliverables are secured within a timely manner. So those are just some of the things about uh, some things that a student can do just to position themselves with zero talent, being genuinely passionate, having a positive attitude, a strong work ethic, being on time and good body language. Yeah, and I want to highlight that one more time because I, I think this is an incredible advice. Having a positive attitude, a strong worth ethic, always being on time and having good body language um, and that pa- being passionate, it really comes off um, to your team. They notice it. You may think it's just something that, you know, it's just what you do. But to some people, it's just like, wow, they, they really want to learn. And what I like to call it is being a lifelong learner. To be within the pharmaceutical space, pharmaceutical industry space, being a lifelong learner is something you kind of have to be. The, the landscape is ever changing. So just remember to always keep that open mind. And like you said, you just have to do, you just have to start. A lot of people spin their wheels on, is this the right thing to do? Is this the appropriate mentor? You kind of just have to start facilitating that starting point and start and start getting your engine going because that drives to the next step and eventually you have some goals on the table and you continue to pursue that ultimate goal whether it be a fellowship an entry-level position or whatever the case may be and you know that kind of takes me to the question that i want to ask you and our listeners are probably thinking josiah you have so much experience are you going to even look at pursuing a fellowship are you thinking of going straight into an entry-level position fellowship right 100 percent. i would say fellowship (laughs) Okay. Okay. So let's dive into a little bit about that. Um, I, you know, I believe that a fellowship offers invaluable training. Why are you so set on pursuing a fellowship rather than an entry-level position? Well, first off, Brian, my initial uh, thought when you asked me this question uh, is that one of my mentors said she would kill me if I go entry-level. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, more, more importantly, um, I realized that there's so much to learn within pharma I have yet to experience, right? Uh, Taking an entry-level role removes the guarantee of mentorship and immediately places you in a position to where you're 100% independent for certain outcomes. Not all outcomes. You still have a team you work on in an entry-level setting. But uh, with a fellowship, you're guaranteed that layer of training and mentorship. Uh, So uh, I want a fellowship because it'll provide me with the opportunity to develop more in-depth skill set and explore various projects and be in a position to add value when I ultimately do accept a full-time role. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. It's kind of hard to add on to anything um, on that point. You know, being in a fellowship myself, there's things that I know for a fact, even some of my mentors have said, there's no way I got this exposure when I started my career. And I think just that phrase and that statement within itself really shows Mm -hmm. the value of that extra training within a fellowship program. Now, being you have HUR and medical affairs experience, is there a particular area of interest you're looking for um, for your fellowship? And how has that interest for you evolved over time? Great question. This uh, this question has kept me up a lot at night, I will be honest. But uh, it's a pretty challenging question. And it's something that I've struggled with, particularly because from my experience, 
the more opportunities I acquired, the more difficult it became to pick a functioning area, primarily because I enjoy new challenges and developing new skills. Uh, however, I had the privilege of connecting with a healthcare executive by the name of Christopher Bowen. And one of the things that he told me, um, Chris, he's paved the way a lot of ways for like HGOR generation within pharma. But one of, one of the things he gave me as advice was, Josiah, the times of picking a role or a function and remaining in that position for 20 plus years are over. If you want to experience another area, go for it. You may work in that function for three to five years, then decide you want to return to medical affairs. And he told me, with your experience, I have no doubt you can transition back. You're a pharmacist, right? And so ultimately, uh, I would like to pursue a fellowship uh, that allowed me to utilize my experience that I've gathered within HGOR uh, while further developing my skill set in market access. Uh, I've even thought about pursuing fellowships that allow me to rotate in marketing, which is an area where my knowledge is fairly limited. Uh, but to answer your question, most functions that I capture uh, my interests are within the commercial space. Yeah, you know, I think that's incredible advice because even if you look at the Fellowship Outcomes uh, publication that we just recently had published within IPHO, um, there's a plethora of fellows that get training in one area or one functional area and get a position in a completely different functional area. At the end of the day, you are a pharmacist. You have the soft skills developed within, you know, your organization leadership, but also potentially a fellowship and other experiences that you can leverage into those functions. And they're always willing to train and teach individuals, like you mentioned earlier, that have a good work ethic, that are passionate. So it's important to have these soft skills in and out, no matter what your desire is. But I have no doubt that, you're, that you will land a fellowship within your desired area. Just keep that open mind and, and keep being curious as you have been. Um, and I know we spent some time speaking on your unique experiences, and I think it's been a, a valuable conversation, especially for those uh, students that are listening. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like our audience to know about? Appreciate you for asking, Brian. A couple of things. Uh, some advice uh, that I would like to share with my peers is that start where you are with what you have, right? For what you have is plenty, right? So each of us have our own unique story, our own unique gifts, no matter our background or no matter where we come from. Tell your story, right? Uh, secondly, I urge students to remain focused above everything and immerse yourself in your work. One of my mentors told me, Josiah, after you graduate and begin work, any opportunities you're offered within the first five years of your career, the answer is yes. On hindsight on that, there are some pros and cons to that frame of mind, but remaining eligible to seize the opportunity is important, right? So third, what I like to share is don't get caught up in the exam to exam lifestyle. Uh, one of my famous saying amongst uh, my eboard members and different students on campus is that uh, you have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Everyone has the same degree. What you do in between is what sets you apart. And lastly, I want listeners to know that by no means am I the smartest person in the class or the most intelligent person in the bunch, but having a phenomenal will and a commitment to excellence goes an extremely long way. Without struggle, there is no progress. And if it were easy, everybody would do it. There will come a time where everyone will hit a piece of adversity that's a lot tougher than them. And every day you'll get up and have to know what your why, what your purpose is for what you do. That's it, Brian. 
And I'll leave it with that. We are at the end of today's episode. Huge shout out and thank you to Josiah for taking the time out of his day and schedule to share his story with us. His journey is not finished, but I hope Josiah's story provides a template, a roadmap, if you will, on how to navigate and leverage opportunities earned throughout pharmacy school. Thank you to all the listeners and until next time.